And um, we um, had decided just to do a brief meditation today for communion, leading us into communion, and uh, look again at this 12th chapter of John. We focused on it last week, but we'll add a little bit more this morning to uh, our understanding about what was taking place. We're going to be served communion following this message. You'll, uh, it'll happen with the deacons uh, passing the trays down. The offering will be uh, received this morning as you leave. And so there will be deacons at the back of the sanctuary here with the baskets, the trays, and you can leave your offering with them as, as you depart this morning. So let's take a look at John chapter 12 here, these first 11 verses. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. One of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. The keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It's intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You'll always have the poor among you, but you'll not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. Now, one of the things that we want to take a look at here in these, in these verses, in this message series from, from John's Gospel, we looked at this banquet that took place in the home of a fellow named Simon. Now, Simon, uh, Luke tells uh, a similar story, but it's, it's different from this one. John, Matthew, and Mark relate this story. Luke tells about a, a banquet that happened at the home of a fellow named Simon. He happened to be a Pharisee, but a different Simon. Pretty common name in that, in that day and age. So this Simon was a fellow who had, uh, at one point, had leprosy. This party, as we called it last week, was a smashing time because the perfume in the flask that was broken, the neck of it would have been snapped off. And what Mary did was pour this over Jesus' head and clear down to his feet. Matthew and Mark say that it was over his head. John says feet, but it essentially just covered all of him. And that smashing time, as the British would say about a party or a gathering, it was a smashing time. Well, it was a smashing time in terms of what Mary did with that flask. There were several notable people among the guests. Now, last week, we focused on Mary. We had a whole message about her. She's the sister of Lazarus. She broke this flask, extremely expensive perfume. It was from India, and at that point that day and age, that was about the only place they could procure it. She poured it over Jesus, likely from head to foot, and then she did an amazingly unheard of thing. She wiped his feet with her hair. Now, in that time, for a woman just to unbind her hair in the presence of a man, not her husband, she was likely to uh, all kinds of ridicule and, according to the Talmud, could have been divorced. Not only 
unbinding hair, though, and likely to have been divorced if she was married. Beyond that, she wiped his feet with her hair, and at that point, she could have been stoned. And so the party just came to an abrupt halt at that point. An amazingly unheard of thing. Well, the disciples unleashed a barrage of criticism. And last week we talked about the word that they used there. It's like nettled horses. And that word, the same word that is used there for their barrage of criticism, is the same word that Jesus is described as at the grave of Lazarus, Jesus snorted. It was just this, like that. He's like that at the presence of death. In the tomb of Lazarus, before he raises Lazarus, he is overcome with this kind of rage at death. Well, that's the same word that's used of Jesus at the presence of the grave that's used for the disciples in their criticism and their outrage at Mary. Nettled horses. And Jesus just says, leave her alone. Leave her alone. She's done an amazingly beautiful thing. He said it was goodness so fine that it became a wonderful blessing. If this action of Mary's is wasted beauty, he's saying, so is a sunset, wasted beauty. But what we didn't have time to examine last week are some thoughts that would center at the very beginning of the party. Remember that at the beginning of chapter 12 here, John just casually remarks that Lazarus, whom Jesus raised from the dead, is there at the table. Lazarus, whom he's just raised from the dead, is at the table. It's just a casual inclusion in the narrative, a kind of, oh, by the way, Lazarus. You remember him? The fellow who had died? Well, he's there too. Now, put yourself in the picture then. Put yourself into this picture. Imagine yourself reclining there at the table. Now, in that, that uh, low mid-eastern table, the guests would recline on the left elbow. They would eat with their right hand and their legs extended away from the table. So it's not a table like we would gather at. It's a low mid-eastern table. They're reclining on pillows and such, leaning on their left elbow eating with their right hands. Now, you've got that, that kind of picture and legs extended away from the table. Now, imagine, imagine taking your place and the host, Simon, who, by the way, was once inflicted with leprosy but now fully healed, likely by Jesus. Simon remarks to you, you know our rabbi Jesus, and you look down, Jesus is reclining at the table. You know our rabbi Jesus, don't you? Yes, yes. And here close to him is our dear friend Lazarus, who died last week. <laughs> oh, we say, oh. Huh? Yes, but thanks to Jesus, he's back among us. Uh, just go ahead and, and take your place between them. Now, put yourself in the picture. You settle in between. Recline, left elbow, you're there. Jesus, Jesus is behind you to your left. Lazarus is in front here, reclining. Lazarus looks back over his, his left shoulder, a little un, 
and uh, looks at you. And a little uneasily, you try to be polite, and you ask your table companion, uh, had a good week? <laughs> and from behind you, you hear Jesus chuckle, and Lazarus laughs. Time after time, time after time, when we find ourselves at a table with Jesus, the unexpected happens. Think about it. The party, the party with an alive dead man is just one example. There's the table, you remember the table with the, with the two followers of Jesus who have just traveled the seven miles on the road to Emmaus. They're traveling from Jerusalem, they're... they're um, traveling downhill to a little village called Emmaus. They listen to him. They don't recognize who he is. This is after the resurrection. He teaches them. And, and Luke tells us that he, he opened up the scriptures having to do with the Messiah. And, and Luke tells us that their heart burned within them as they traveled along the way. They don't recognize him. That, that seven-mile trip down to Emmaus, down from the city of Jerusalem. And then he assumes the role of the host at the table. They prevail upon him. Stay and eat with us. It's getting late. Stay and eat. And, and, and at the table, Jesus assumes the role of host. And when he breaks the bread, you remember in that story from Luke, he breaks the bread and, at the, and he gives it. And at that point, they recognize him. Their eyes are opened and he disappears. Now, what happened? Well, very, very likely they saw the nail prints they saw the nail prints as he reached out and gave them the bread. It's, it's just amazing. The party, the party, the table, time after time when we find ourselves at a table with Jesus, the unexpected happens. There's the meal in which a piece of bread is called my body broken for you. The meal in which a, a cup of wine, Jesus says, this is like my blood that's poured out. For you, we can spend a lifetime attempting to, to plumb the depths of such mystery and never exhaust, much less consume, the meaning of it all. Time after time, Jesus says and does some of his best stuff at a table. And at the last table, he has a bite to eat with his friends just before he's tortured to death for them. Take and eat, he says, this is my body. Drink of it, all of you. This is my blood that's shed. Most of all, remember me. At that table in Jerusalem, Jesus prepares us for this table now. And he gets us ready for an amazingly great table in eternity. He gives us a glimpse of his eternal love. And he urges us to abide in him as he promises to abide in us. And this table, this communion today, reminds us of both his sacrifice and it reminds us of his promise. Jesus says and does some of his best stuff at a table.
over and over. It's at a table. There's the mystery, there's the blessing, there's the remembrance, there's the promise, and that, that teaching just goes on and on and it unfolds in waves and we'll never be able, this side of heaven, to understand all of the mystery and all of the love, all of the memory, and all of the promise surrounding a table, a table. We're made for meeting him at his table. We're made for meeting, but not just to remember, but for a reunion. Because one day, there will be a great table, and all of us, and all Christians, all believers down through the ages and on through the centuries, will gather there and then, and you know what? Lazarus will laugh. Let's bow together for, for prayer, and we're going to receive communion. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this time of communion, this time of uh, both memory and blessing and promise. And so may we, may we understand that you're here with us, you are present, and that as you gave your life, as your body was broken on the cross, you gave your life for us, but also the fact of the resurrection and you're alive now, and then the realization that you will be present with us throughout all eternity at a great banquet, at the table of blessing in eternity. And so for all of the mystery of that, from past to present to future, all of it wrapped up into its meaning at this table, this time of communion, we rejoice. And like Lazarus, we can just say, thank you, Lord Jesus, for the life that you've given me, not just now, but the life you've given me forever. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen.